Hello, friends. Welcome to Read Them and Weep. It me, your host, Sammy. And I have a fun episode for you guys this week. If you listen to the mailbag episode that I did a few weeks back, you know that I have resolved to find some bigger games and play in them. And I did exactly that this week. I was up in Sacramento for work and I found out about a pretty big game that happens at a casino called Capital Casino in downtown Sacramento. Never played there before, but I thought I'd try it out. So essentially this game plays like an uncapped 510. It's technically a 2-5, but it is straddled literally 100% of the time. You know, I played for like four, four and a half hours, and there was not a single hand that went unstraddled. So it's a 2-5-10. And then unlike a normal straddled 2-5, where the max is still the max, it's usually 1K. In this game, it's a match stack game, which means that it gets extraordinarily deep. Like I sat down in between these two regulars, and the guy on my left had like, three or 4k. The guy on my right had 5k. I sat down at the theater table, but when I looked over at the main game, those guys all had like 4k plus. So it's a big game. It played like a big game and uh, I got in the mix. So of course, as always, we'll do two hands, one that I played well, one hand that I mucked up. And for hand one, I kind of got to give you the backstory. So I sit down and in my first orbit, I don't play a hand until it gets to my small blind. And this happens. The button, who's one of the regulars and legit in the first orbit, you can just, I can just tell the guy's a regular, right? He knows the dealers. He knows all the players. He's super at ease. Like he's super deep. He's a guy with like 5K. Everybody knows him. And he opens his button to 35. I'm in the small blind and I look down at ace deuce suited. And this is kind of a a 100% three bet for me. The hand is too weak to call and play out of position. And you open yourself up to squeezes behind you if you flat. Meanwhile, the hand has good properties for a three bet. It has an ace, so it has card removal to aces, kings, ace, king. And then it also flops a decent amount of equity on certain boards that you can barrel through. So the other thing with like a three blind game that's left of the button is that you want to play really tight and aggressive from those blinds. You don't want to do a lot of flatting. You want to do a lot of three bet or folding. And I do that in this hand. I three bet to 135. Now the button immediately four bets to 400. And I just think, oh yeah, this guy is trying to punk my ass. Like he's the regular, he's the guy with the deep stacks. You know, he's the big swinging dick. And I'm just this new guy. He's like, fuck this kid. Like I'm gonna show this kid who's boss. He's not gonna three bet me from the small blind. He knows that move. So he four bets me. And I just think, yo, like I I can't deal with that shit. Like we're not playing that game. And I stuff it all in for 1.5K And he snap calls. He snap calls my ass with ace king and I don't win. I get stacked for 1.5K in the very first orbit. Like what a fucking idiot. You know, I I assigned all this motivation to him that he didn't really have. You know, I was like, oh yeah, this guy's trying to punk me. He's, you know, trying to show me who's, who's boss and all that. And it's like, no, dude, he just had ace king. And, you know, maybe it was the fact that I was sitting down in a bigger game or you know, it's my first time playing in this card room, but you know, I, I really saw some ghosts that weren't there and I ended up spewing off 1.5 K in the first orbit. I was there. So we'll, we'll start this episode off with a fire me into the goddamn sun. Like Jesus Christ, Sammy. So I, I buy in for another 1.5 K. I only brought three K with me. I actually didn't know that the game was uncapped until I got there. So uh, I was prepared to, to head to the ATM if I needed to, but I just, I just, 
bought in for a couple of 1.5k bullets. And in the next like two orbits, I end up making two really good hands. I flop two sets and both times I fast play them. The original raise are C bets and then I raise big and both times they fold it. So that sucked that I didn't get any action. But at this point, I look like a goddamn maniac to these people. You got to understand in deep stack cash games, you almost never see players get it all in pre. And when you do, it's always top of range, right? It's always aces, kings, ace, king, sometimes pocket queens. But for the most part, you always just see big hands when people get all in pre-flop. So for these guys to see that I jammed it all in pre with ace do suited, and then they saw me make two other big raises on fairly benign flops. I'm the new guy at the casino. These guys have never seen me before. They're like, dude, this guy is out there. Like he is, you know, a complete lunatic. So that's the setup for hand one is everybody thinks I'm a lunatic. So here we go. Hand one under the gun. Who's the regular to my left. Uh, He's got like 3.5 K he opens to 35 and there's two callers in middle position. It gets back to me. I'm in the $10 straddle and I look down at pocket Kings. And I decide, yeah, we're, we're going big here. I three bet to 200. And this is really playing off my image. A lot of the time, I think it's a reasonable size, but probably a lot of the time I'd raise a little less so that I didn't scare away any customers. But again, I'm just playing off my image here and I think I'll get looser action than I otherwise normally would. So I three bet to 200. I have about 1.6K starting this hand. And the original razor under the gun, the regular, he calls and the other two fold. So we go heads up to a flop and the flop is a really good one for me. It's Jack seven, three rainbow. So there's 470 in the pot. And usually on this kind of texture, uh, it's a, it's a very kind of dry texture. It's, you know, not very dynamic on this kind of flop. I'm going to be C betting pretty much my whole range. And that means I should C bet for a small size. That's the theoretically correct thing. So you know, a good small size would be somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 to 200. I decide to go bigger. I go 300 again, trying to play off my image. I bet 300 into 470 and the guy calls me pretty quickly. We love it. We go to the turn. There's about a thousand and seventy in the pot and the turn comes a pretty big blank. It's an offsuit four. So Jack seven, three on the flop. And then a four, I have pocket Kings. There's about 1070 in the pot and I have 1.1 K behind and I just decide to stuff it and I jam it and the reg just goes all the way into the tank. He's, you know, rubbing his head. He's, you know, shuffling his chips. He seems very uncomfortable and this is fantastic. I was praying to God that I did not get snap snap called because obviously the guy could have pocket sevens or pocket jacks and just have me wasted. But, you know, you can't really be scared of monsters under the bed. There's a lot of hands that he can have that will give action here. And when he raises under the gun, he's got a pretty strong range. So I'm hoping that he has a pair in his hand. And certainly when he calls the 300 on the flop, for sure, he's got a pretty strong hand here. So I decide to jam it for pot 1.1K. He's in the tank and he finally calls it off. The river comes a three, which pairs the bottom card. Great card for me. I turn over my pocket Kings and he shakes his head and says, nice hand. And we ship a 3.3 K pot in my direction. Takes forever to stack hundreds and 25s and fives. It's just, it's glorious. 
especially after I donked off my first buy-in in the first orbit. It just like felt so, 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 so good. Okay, so let's talk about why I played this hand well, because I think I did. And I alluded to the reasons why before. I think there was just a really good understanding of my image here. By and large, on this flop, the normal line I'd take is kind of the, the solver approved line. I would bet small on the flop, 150 to 200. Then on the turn, a very benign turn, I'd probably bet about 400, leaving myself 8 to 850 behind on the river for a shove. In this case, I decided to go large on both, both pre-flop uh, and the flop, and, and then, of course, on the turn going all in. And it's because I understood my image and I understood that the guy under the gun would, he's a regular, I knew he'd understand. I knew he would have been paying attention to the way I was playing. Obviously under the gun, like I said, he should have a pretty strong range. So I decided to just ram and jam here. I just thought it was the best thing to do with my image. And of course it was. I don't know what he had, but he certainly had one of a couple types of hands. He had pocket queens, he had ace jack, or he might've even had pocket tens or pocket nines or pocket eights. That was just like, dude, this guy is a complete wacko. He could easily have ace king here. And it, it really reminds me of the hand. I think it was the one last week where I jammed all in with ace queen high on the river. And the guy Paul called me with pocket fives on like a jack 10, seven, three, six board. And that was a hand where the guy ended up calling me with pocket fives because he thought I had ace king. And I think if you're going to make that kind of play, you kind of need to balance it with this kind of play, uh, jamming pot on the turn. Again, it's a theoretical thing. It's a strategic thing. That hand had nothing to do with this hand. There were different card rooms, different players. They don't know my strategies, but if I'm going to stay consistent with my strategy and make all-in bluffs like I did last week, sometimes you get called by one pair. But the flip side is if you do it this way, uh, when you have value as well, sometimes you get called by one pair and uh, and it's glorious. So hats off to me. Congratulations to me. Allow myself to congratulate myself on this one. Obama putting a medal on himself dot me. And uh, I mean, guys, this was really big for me, right? I, I sat down at this bigger game that, you know, is, is quite a bit bigger than the two, five, one K max. I usually play. I spewed off a buy-in to start. And then I bought in for my last 1500. I'm sure I would have gone and got more money if I got stacked again, but man, maybe I would have just hightailed my ass out of there, lost three K and been like, yeah, well mess with the big boys got fucked up. But this just gave me an extraordinary amount of confidence. It made me feel really good. You know, all of a sudden I'm sitting like more than 3K deep. I have plenty of playability. I have a I have a good kind of aggressive image and it set me up for the rest of the session. And, and that was really great. And it ended up making a night that, that could have been a disaster, something that was actually really cool. So we'll talk about that at the end. But first, we're going to get into hand two, a hand that I played not so well. Stay tuned. All right, hand two. We're playing the same session and we are playing a bomb pot. I'm sure most of y'all know what a bomb pot is, but if you don't, it's something a lot of card rooms do at every dealer change. And you just play this special hand called a bomb pot where everybody puts in a certain ante pre-flop and then everybody sees the flop. And it just creates a lot of action. Uh, there's no pre-flop action, so everybody's range is uncapped. It's a uh, pure chaos, gambly goodness, and it's fantastic. So 
we play a $25 bomb pot. There's nine heads at the table. And so we go nine ways to a flop of Jack 10, five. And I look down, I'm under the gun. So I'm the very first player to act. I look down at nine, eight offsuit. So on Jack 10, five, we have the idiot end of an open ender. So I lead with a check as I'm going to do with the vast majority of my hands. And it checks all the way around to the button, who incidentally is the dude that stacked me in the first orbit. And he bets 100 into 225. With my open-ended straight draw, obviously I'd way rather have a hand like queen nine or king queen on jack 10-5, but uh, I, I'm still going to draw to it for 100 bucks. We're, we're obviously all very deep. We're like more than 3K deep still, etc. And then this other reg who had checked, he's kind of in a middle-ish position, uh, maybe like third or fourth fourth position he had checked. He also check calls the 100 and everybody else folds. So we go three ways to a turn and the turn you guys, is the most beautiful card I think I've ever seen in my goddamn life. It's an offsuit seven. So pure rainbow board, jack 10, five, seven, and we make the pure nuts with our nine, eight offsuit. Now, I think I could definitely actually lead here. And the reason is, is because, you know, when the button bets, he doesn't have to have anything great after everybody else checked to him. He could have a week one pair. He could have a lot of draws. But when he gets called twice... I actually think that he is going to check back the turn a lot of the time. He, he's not often going to have a hand that he really wants to make this pot giant with. So for that reason, I actually think leading is a pretty good play here. In the moment, I don't. You know, I was just like, oh, shit, I made the nuts and I check. But now something really interesting happens. The middle position reg who had check called, you know, behind me, he leads out into the both of us for 320 uh, into a pot of about 525. The button quickly folds, and now it's to me, and this just couldn't be going any better. I have the stone-cold nuts, and now this guy woke up and started betting big into an already pretty big pot. So I decide absolutely check-raising is the right play. It doesn't take a genius to do that. You got the nuts, and uh, you're out of position. I mean, you know, and, and we had stacks left, right? We, we still had like 2,600 behind-ish, something like that. So I check raise and I don't check raise too big. Obviously, I want him to continue with basically his whole range. I, I, I do not want this man to make a hero fold. So I check raise to 800 over his 320. And he thinks about it for a while and he makes the call. Hot damn, we love it. So we're just waiting on the river and we're hoping the river is not a bad card for us. And frankly, there are a lot of bad cards for us. Remember, it's Jack 10, 5, 7. A 9 or an 8 would be bad. An overcard would be bad because he can, you know, have draws like queen nine and king queen, stuff like that. Uh, he can have two pairs that turn into boats if the board pairs, but none of that happens. We run just extremely pure. It comes in offsuit six. So jack, 10, five, seven, six, and we have nine, eight. So now the pot is a little more than 2,100, I believe. It's like 2,125. And I have somewhere in the neighborhood, well, I have 2,100 left. He covers me. So I have about a pot size bet left. And I just go for fucking max pain. I just shove it all in. And the guy snap folds. Unfortunate, but we rake in a big ass pot and we're really happy. Let's replay this hand a little bit though, because I actually think that I played this hand quite poorly, at least at the end of the hand. 
So obviously check calling the flop with the ass end of an open ender is good. I talked about my decision on the turn. I think check raising is great, but I, I actually think I prefer leading. I just think leading is a much better play for the reasons I talked about. A, it puts the guy in the middle as kind of a monkey in the middle. Uh, so he's faced with some really tough decisions when I just decide to lead out. And then, like I said, I think the button checks back at a really high frequency. And it's pretty much a disaster to turn the nuts and then have no money go in on the turn. You know, I made this episode, I think it was two weeks ago, about betting your strong hands. And that doesn't mean you just like lead for big sizing every time you have a good hand. But I think this was the situation where that really applied. And uh, I was fortunate that the guy in the middle decided to lead out big. Obviously, check raising in this situation on the turn was really good. But I think where I really screwed up this hand after you know really thinking about it was on the river. So let's try and think about where the guy in the middle position, the guy that check called the flop and then let out big on the turn, where he's at. When he decides to lead on a seven, it's a really, really interesting thing to do because you would expect if he had a set or two pair on the flop, he would have check raised at that point. It doesn't mean it's impossible. You know, if he had a hand like 10-5 for bottom two, it doesn't mean that it's impossible for him to not check raise, but I think those check raises happen at a pretty high frequency. When the seven falls, I think a lot of the time it makes this guy two pair with something like 10-7 with a back door on the flop or jack seven. I think jack seven makes perfect sense. You know, it's not a strong enough hand to where he wants to lead into a bunch of other players with it on jack 10-5. But when he makes two pair on the turn, you know, he was thinking probably the same thing that I should have been thinking, which was, hey, I don't want this to check through. Let's go. So when I check raise him on the turn and he calls, man, there's only a couple different types of hands he can have. He can have a really good jack, something like ace jack. And then he can have these two pairs that I'm talking about. He could have turned two pair with jack seven. Maybe he has bottom two with 10 five. Uh, I don't think we see sets at any frequency. I think they would always want to check raise flop or at least just lead flop. So for those reasons, I think a lot of the time he has two pair. Sometimes can he have a draw? Sure. But when the turn comes in offsuit seven and it's a true rainbow board and he didn't choose to check raise flop, it's pretty hard for him to have a draw. He could have king queen or he could have queen nine on jack 10, five, seven, but it's pretty thin. And I block queen nine, just making it less likely. So I think a lot of the time he's really weighted toward two pair here. On the river, I think my sizing was bad because what I'm doing is I'm really polarizing. I'm basically saying I have the nuts or I'm the one with air. And air doesn't really make all that much sense for the same reason it doesn't, the draws don't make a ton of sense for him. They don't make a ton of sense for me either. I probably would have chosen to play those hands fast on the flop, not wait till the turn when a bunch of strength has been showed and then check raise with a draw. Just It just doesn't seem that congruent. So what I'm really trying to do is get calls from two pair. And when I jam all in, it basically removes the possibility that I'm value owning myself, that two pair is anything but a bluff catcher. If I go for a smaller sizing, he might think that I'm value owning myself with a hand like pocket Kings or bottom two pair or ace Jack or something like that. 
he can justify a call to himself because I might be betting worse hands than two pair that he can beat. But when I jam all in, I'm basically saying either I have the nuts or I have air and air just isn't all that likely. I think what happened here uh, is I really should have just bet something like eight or 900 into 2100. And I think I get called quite a bit. Yes, he snap folded on the river, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he had nothing. Uh, he could have had a really strong hand. I think two pair makes plenty of sense where he's like, okay, I'll see what the guy does on the river. I'll call the check raise. If I improve to a full house, obviously I'm getting it in. But if I don't improve and the guy follows through with a jam, man, I'm just going to fold the hand. He's got me beat. So I don't necessarily think he had a weak hand just because he folded really quickly on the river. Because he tanked on the turn, I just think he was probably thinking all through through all that at that point. And I really think this was probably a matter of me getting a little too excited. Uh, I didn't properly range him. I didn't really think through the hand properly and understand what this guy was likely to have. I just kind of smooth brained it. And I was like, oh yeah, I got the nuts. I'm going to get super greedy and jam all in. But the reality is, I think that I lost a lot of value from this. I think if I go eight, 900, I get called quite a bit and that's eight or 900 bucks. Like that's a lot of money in relation to the pot. It's still a small enough bet where I think a lot of hands can call me. So I'm pretty disappointed in this one because man, it just ain't that often where you get to make the nuts in a bomb pot and three people start putting in money. And then, you know, you, you check raise and another, and one of the guys calls and these situations, man, they, they are just few and far between. Like they don't grow on trees. This was a situation where I think I could have made a lot more money and and I think I kind of screwed it up and I'm pretty mad at myself, man. You, you take a shot in a bigger game and you make a hand like this and get in a situation like this and, and I fucked it up. I mean, God damn it all you guys like fire me into the goddamn sun for this. This was obviously a big pot, won a bunch of money in it, but damn it, it could have been so much better. And like I said, these opportunities don't arise that often. So uh, it it sucks to suck. I'm, I'm super disappointed in this one. It's the hand that I keep thinking about uh, when I go home, the hand that could have made the session a lot better. It, it ended up being a really great session, especially for punting off uh, a stack right at the beginning. This could have been a monster session. Instead, it was merely pretty good. I just allowed myself to get a little too excited you know, in, in, in a big game and, and didn't really think things through as I should have. So we will be back in this game. I go back up to Sacramento in a couple of weeks and, and I will be sure to jump in this game again and hopefully have some more hands from it for you guys. So I appreciate y'all listening. If you have a quick minute, man, jump in, give me some stars, maybe even drop a review. We, we I actually don't have that many reviews. The, the few of you that have left them, dude, I really appreciate that. Like you guys have said some really nice stuff in the reviews and it, it means a lot. Like seriously, thank you. So yeah, if you have a little time, those of you who haven't left one, like please do, or just leave me some stars if you like the podcast. Yeah, that's going to do it, you guys. That's going to do it for this week. I appreciate y'all as always. And until next week, my friends, play good and run pure. <laughs>